You're listening to Drawn to a Deeper Story. I'm Kath Brew from DrawnToAStory.com. I'm an artist who illustrates and educates about marginalised experiences for positive change, with a particular interest in identity and belonging. And this podcast is about the lives that challenge us and the difficult conversations around them. It's a place to listen openly, to absorb people's truths and to learn how to show up differently for the benefit of everyone. Now, today I'm joined by Maria Bagley Runningwater. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, it's great to be here. <laughs> Fantastic to have you. <laughs> now, Maria is a good friend of mine and my wife's, and she's a beekeeper, she's a soap maker, she's a deeply spiritual woman, she's many, many things, which you'll come to realise as we get on with this conversation. But she's also someone who is living with a life-limiting illness. And Maria's approach to her diagnosis has given me a huge amount to think about. And I know after listening to Maria that you too will have lots to think about. So, Maria, can you please share some more about who you are and what's been happening for you recently? Well, as you say, I'm a, I'm a multitude of different things, as they say, a multifaceted person. So, yes, I, I'm a shaman, a beekeeper, soap maker. I'm just a very active, creative person who loves life. Recently, though, I have had the experience of cancer as after having had a free couple of years of being perfectly healthy and everything else, it has come back. And I was recently given the diagnosis of two to three months to live. Mm. And that's where I am. I'm living those that, that time. In fact, I'm at the end of that time as we speak. So I believe my positive thinking is definitely working and pushing that barrier slightly further back (laughs) (laughs) fantastic that's really good for us as well we we want you around as long as possible but the the funny thing is that every time I've said and my wife and has also said to you that what you're doing is amazing and the way you're dealing with this and every single time you've said I don't know what I'm doing that is, is any different what do you think your approach has been to living with this news and just your approach to life generally now? I'd say my approach is just one of being extremely positive and very grateful for every little, little thing in Mm. experience in, in every moment. And all those moments become more precious. They're more heightened. And so they can come with them a lot of emotion. You think, oh, when am I ever going to see this again? But then put that to one side and think, but I'm seeing it now. And so we, we have a choice of going down a very destructive, negative, sad, miserable journey with it or looking at the blessing. And I see it as a blessing, as being being given the opportunity to truly appreciate everything that's around me and in my life and the people that are in my life and the people that have been a part of my life. Mm-hmm. And it's given me an opportunity to actually have conversations with people that I I wouldn't have had if I was just mm. knocked over by a truck or something and mm. killed a lot I wouldn't have had this opportunity so that's how I see it mm. yeah I think that's probably what I've learned from you I mean when you first were telling us the news and what was happening you seem to be incredibly aware of the energy around it and not wanting people to be putting their worry into the situation and and you you seem to manage that space exceptionally well, I think. And it's nice to hear that that's what you were doing. I think you I think you have act- actively been doing it in a way, even though you said you didn't know what you were doing. Um, it's been amazing to watch. And I feel like what I have seen is that there's a massive strength in 
active living. Do you think that would have been possible without the diagnosis? It brings life into sharp focus. So if you've always been this positive person, how is it now different? What have you had to, what's that transition between the two? Yeah, there is a transition and it comes in layers that you go through. And there are also layers of letting go as well. So you are faced with, you suddenly, an aspect of your life is is highlighted. And then there's the realisation that this has got to come to an end. And it brings everything into very sharp focus, as you say. For example, all, all the people in the village, I'm unable to get around and socialise with them as I have done in the past and thoroughly enjoyed. And so I threw a party for them, but I didn't want them focusing on the fact that the party was a farewell, which it was. Mm. But um, So I said, well, let's all wear funny hats. So the focus was on the funny hats, which brought, raised the vibration of the whole event and a far more positive event and uh, far more memorable in that way, I feel. And so a lot of love was spread on that day. And I received a lot of love on that day. And that's really the bottom line is the Mm. love. Mm. Doing that is also very generous to everybody else, because clearly it's you that's dealing with this and your immediate family, but there's a lot of other people that love you. And I think inviting people into that space, even though it's essentially a goodbye party, is really generous for other people's emotions and allowing them the space to grieve and see you doing it the way that you're doing it. I think that's been a wonderful thing. There is a huge balance because mm. there is the element of giving and making it possible for people to have that moment or moments with you, but also being a little bit selfish as well and, and saying, mm. right, this is where I draw the line mm. because some things become more taxing and you're unable to manage them as well as you could do when you were well and fit. Mm. Mm. And You have to decide when something comes to an end. So I don't entertain people in my home so much now. That's Mm. where I draw the line. And it made it possible for me to feel comfortable with drawing that line, having Mm. created the opportunity. So everything seems to have two sides to it. There's always this duality that is going on, Mm. but with the positive thread going through it all the time. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually, that idea of that polarity, because so many people see death as such a final thing. And it is in the sense that you're not in this body living. But then if you view life as eternal, and I don't necessarily mean in like the kind of Christian context, but just this idea of what happens to your soul and where it goes and what is living and what is energy and what is life, I think it starts to shift that that very rigid nature of the kind of life or death how do you see all of that kind of stuff with the end of life yeah uh first of all the end of life is really a birth into another way of being mm-hmm. as you see just as i birthed into this body and into this life i'm now at a point where i'm preparing to birth into another life mm-hmm. and that is really exciting and mm-hmm. so because i have such a strong belief of that i don't have any fear associated with that and all my spirit guides and helpers that I've worked with over the years have all been around as if to reassure that they are around ready for that you know Mm. Uh, so that is what makes me able to face this I think without fear Mm. the excitement and the joy that comes with it yes there is the sadness of having to part and leave the things behind that are so wonderful in this life and in this existence and with this particular body that has served me so well for so long. But um, it's it's important to let people know, really, I think, that 
you are okay with it and it's perfectly okay for them not to be okay with it mm. and it's all right to cry together it's all right to laugh together it's all right to joke about it mm. um and it's much better than people i have had people cross the street and avoid me purely and simply because they just did not know what to say mm. That's yeah. I was going to ask you that because so many people are awkward and don't know what to say when they know someone's got cancer. You're aware enough to, to see all this, but unfortunately for other people, it can be quite isolating because people stay away. So what yeah. what advice would you give for people in terms of how to react or what to say to someone who's got cancer? Um, what to say? Well, the one that you always feel that you shouldn't be asking is, are you all right? Especially if somebody's had a, you know, a, a short terminal diagnosis like I have, you can say, I wish you well, I wish you luck. I mm. wish you a journey. Um, and if you, if you want to chat anytime, I'm here kind mm. of thing. And it leaves it open to speaking a little bit more. If the person isn't ready, you know, who has the diagnosis to speak, they will withdraw from it. Mm. Um, but you've left that opening um, for them to to pick up with it if they if they wish to at a later date mm. but it's that thing or you could crack some jokes you know I expect you'll have a big party on the other side or, or things like that <laughs> what their religion is or whatever you know I expect mm. your drivers crazy when you get there I've had many people say will you come and let me know that you you're around I've had some mm. people say don't haunt me you know all kinds mm. of, um and it's great when people openly respond in some way and some might simply say my my thoughts are with you you know mm. uh, and that that's great rather than avoiding the person because that is extremely hurtful at a mm. time when you are most sensitive and really need to know even in a small way that people are still willing to speak to you because you begin to feel a bit like a leopard yeah you know it's kind of a a part of society that society wants to disassociate with which yeah. one level is is the energy breaking away you know the letting go level but at the same time it doesn't have to be as negative or as painful as mm. it can be yeah and so much of that is well all of it is about that person's inability and I think this is one of the reasons I wanted to originally to do this podcast was to help those moments when someone can't cope with something you've just said in their inability to cope they throw it back on you and you have to deal with it so there's an awful lot of you coping with everybody else rather than just focusing on your own health and wellness um what do you think also about it's always better to actually go and talk to someone and recognize them but even if you say something a bit wrong it doesn't matter like that they the um, person would rather have you come and talk to them um, absolutely absolutely the only thing i would would advise is don't always offer a cure when you are oh, I know this person who got mm. cured. I know that person who cures people with cancer. And when when it's one person or ten people, that's not so bad. But when you've got lots of people you're you know speaking with, and they're all telling you or messaging you that they've got this wonderful cure, you get very tired of it because mm. there's an element of facing reality, mm. and there's something rather beautiful about facing death in the face. Part of you wants to jump on the opportunity of a possible cure. And then there is that knowing that this is your path and this is where you're you're heading. And there is a time in all of our lives when we are heading in that direction. And often the signs are there and the signs have definitely been there for myself, quite apart from the physical, you know, feedback that I've had from the hospital. Mm. And so um, it's kind of, you know, how do you respond to people who are offering you cures all the time? You know, mm. if you, no, 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 they, they think you're just choosing to die in that negative way where it isn't it isn't really like that <laughs> no 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 and also it I don't know this might be a bit controversial to say this but it it 
it takes away from the experience of death as well in that there's so much focus always like living is always the thing that is meant to be the important thing and clearly we've all got families and loved ones and we're here and we we want to be alive but actually as humans death is such a fundamental part of the human journey but we avoid it so much and there's something about living in the space of getting close to that and actively living in it means that the energy around it and the way that you do it is much more powerful for you and other people rather than having people constantly trying to pull you back to being well and alive does that make sense it does indeed yes it is a beautiful journey although it's got it's the finality of the end isn't it that is Mm. very hard for us to really embrace partly because of the way we're brought up we we don't speak about death we don't share with children about death in any great detail I think things are improving there slightly you know there was a time when children didn't go to funerals and Mm. any services of that nature whereas now they they do because it's recognized that it helps them with their grieving process etc but we are a long way short of really celebrating somebody's life we, we use the term celebrating uh, someone's life but really do we really know how to do that and I think actually we haven't had good examples of that to be honest mm-hmm. that's not where I am anyway and that's something that I, if, if I had one thing I could choose that I could change I think it would be that mm-hmm. so if you could change it you're I mean you're actually you're actively living it now and making that mm-hmm. happen so how have you managed it with your own family and grandchildren and children and, and all of that? How has that gone for you and for them as well, if, if you're able to talk on their behalf? Yeah, well, I'm sure they wouldn't mind me talking on their behalf. Mm. They struggle a bit at times, which is normal. That's part of the preparation. I struggle a bit at times. I get my times when I, I get emotional and I have a good cry and, and mm. that. But the key thing is we speak openly and honestly. So they know they can speak openly and honestly about how they're feeling, what their thoughts are and what their questions are. They have questions that come up so they will openly speak about them and we'll have a a chat and Mm. we don't necessarily get to any answers, but we get to a point where we will understand exactly where we both are at that time. And we know that this can change because it has been an evolving, changing journey in this duration. And even with the grandchildren, Fortunately, my children have been open and honest with, with the grandchildren. So I make that then means that I don't have to pretend with my grandchildren. I can be exactly me as I am, not be mindful and careful of what I'm saying and what I'm doing. So if I crack the odd joke about, you know, well, I'm not going to worry about that because <laughs> it's going to bother me. Mm. Um, I can do that. I can mm. be as free and as normal as possible with them and also have those deep and meaningful conversations with them mm. as well. Mm. And also kids are so astute. They, they're aware that something's not being said. Then they start to worry about why it's not being said or have they done something. I think the way you're doing it removes all those potential problems because it's all just there yeah. and everyone knows where you're at and where they're at. And there's a freedom in that. Absolutely. I mean, children have incredible imaginations and nine times out of 10, you would never guess what they're imagining. So when you don't tell them something, I mean, they're very sensitive what's going on around them. And then you leave them to form their own opinions and, and use their imagination as to what the devil is going on. Mm. And they be thinking of something far worse. And you might say to this, well, what on earth could be worse than you dying? Yeah. Well, there are things that could be an awful lot worse than you dying. Somebody going through torture and, and mm. then being aware of it mm. or in their minds, that's what they're thinking. You know, they, they might be thinking you're going through pain and, and, and anguish for forever. You know, mm. Mm. they know unless you put it in its right 
place yeah. and explain to them by not telling them it also doesn't allow them to raise the questions because it's almost like they're shut out of it mm. yeah that's very true yeah so they can't inquire openly some of their questions are very very easy to answer uh, some are a little bit more challenging because they they touch uh, your your own heart but at least you can share that mm. and and hopefully will do the same you know with other members of their families as they grow older yeah what you said about it doesn't give them a space for asking questions if it's not talked about that is so so important because as you say their minds go off and, and wonder about other things and and actually I would say that applies for every person that if you're not fostering an environment of openness and talking then resentments come in misinformation it makes complex grieving it brings so much more and grieving someone when they've died is hard enough let alone dealing with all the complexities of a problem family or emotional stresses or all of that stuff so i think the more that people do before someone dies the, the better much better mm. Mm. yeah mm. This is such a great opportunity. Mm, yeah. Your spirituality and your view of the world has clearly helped you. But I'm I'm just thinking about, because most people, as humans, we live so much in our future and, and planning and looking forward to things. And all that obviously then suddenly changes. And it sharpens things in a way that I don't think people are emotionally ready for so I was just thinking that if you've already and always explored these concepts therefore it's going to be an easier thing potentially for you to take on board does is that true or not um to be honest I always hoped and wished that my belief system would mean that I would be able to face this kind of thing in the way that I am doing as it turns out but didn't know if that was the case until it was really put to the test Mm, yeah we never know until it's presented to us do we really that's right and uh you know I I believe that I have no fear of the end and I don't have any fear as such of the end but that doesn't mean that I won't have a moment of time you know when a fear element comes to the forefront but then I face it and mm. I dive into it so that I experience it fully and it's always in the moment it's always in the moment it is incredible and as you were saying about you know we do a lot of forward planning and a lot of forward thinking and everything else that changes at this time and we've, we're told all of our lives to live in the moment aren't we live in the moment there is an aspect of it that can't be done truly unless you're in this position mm. you have to be in this position to actually appreciate just how much of our our day-to-day -day thinking is actually wasted thinking. It doesn't mm. need to be. And yeah. so my planning tends to be very much of, you know, I have what I call my milestones, which might be what I might, something I might aim to do next week or mm. in two time or something like that. But the rest of the time, I'm very much in, you know, one day to the next, as it mm. were. And that really can shift more easily and you can really experience that more. And that's when you realise just how much so much of our day-to-day -day thinking is complete you know it's just filling filling space mm. and a lot of our planning a lot of it is you know it's I, I noticed myself looking out in the garden the other day and I was thinking oh I really ought to go and buy a few um a few more snowdrops to put in and um a few more of this and a few more <laughs> of that so I can enjoy them next year and then I thought what am I thinking of okay so I can go and get those so somebody else can enjoy them next year but it's that <laughs> bit of forward planning that doesn't really need it sh the thought should be, I could go and get some snowdrops. It's the right time of year to put them in. Mm. 
yeah or even just the pleasure of going out and buying it and chatting to someone in a shop or that's or, right but, yeah. yes which is more the focus on the now rather mm. than in a year's time yeah do you find with that living in the now that there's moments that you actually forget that you've got cancer um yes i think i do mm. actually yes it's very easy to forget it um mm. and that's partly what makes it so surreal and so when when you do forget it because you it's kind of this double-edged sword you know if you focus on the one side it's the the painful what i call that i refer to as the negative side because mm. it brings all the angst and all the worries that could potentially be there and if you focus on the other side it's the shiny side mm. where everything's really quite positive and when it's really quite positive it's yeah you can completely forget you're focusing on i'm slapping a bit of paint on a canvas i'm not an artist by any means but i'm just enjoying mm. messing out with colors and seeing what muck i can put on a, on a canvas <laughs> you can choose to be imprisoned by it or you can choose to be freed by it mm. and you talked about wanting to be positive or feeling positive about it and and doing the positive side of it do you feel that or was there a moment that that really shifted from a an intellectual thought to actually really embodying that were you aware of a moment that that became a lived thing as opposed to just oh wouldn't it be nice to be I think what happened for me was I slipped into the moment of oh my goodness, you know, I'm going to die, and very quickly, and ah, and all of that, it it hit me really, really, well, I was in, in shock as anybody would be. That was the, when I experienced like the opposite side of what I could be feeling. I chose then to not go down that road. So there was a conscious decision mm. to not stay in that and dwell in that, whilst at the same time not denying the fact but not letting it being the main driving force mm. yeah so allowing it to exist but not letting it overwhelm mm. absolutely so there was a conscious decision yes yeah and now day to day what I mean what does your day look like what how is how has life changed what are you doing that might be different or not different or kind of what does life look like um it varies from one day to the next Obviously, it's uh, it's a case of physically things gradually change. And so you adjust what you do and what you don't do. And that's one of the reasons why you don't plan very far ahead as well, because you never quite know what's how you're going to be. But really, every opportunity I have, I find myself asking myself, what do I feel like I would really like to do in this moment? And sometimes it's just to sit and be and do nothing. And so I will just sit and be, whereas before there was always this, you know, I should be doing this, should be doing that, should be, I need to get that done by then because of all this forward planning that one does. Yeah, It kind of takes up a lot of thought and my mind is much stiller. There's a quietness in my mind and there is um, more appreciation for the little things, you know. And when I say the little things, I'm talking about the bird song first thing in the morning. And I mean, I always did have an appreciation of it, but somehow it's, it's heightened now very much it's like going from an old mono sound system to a stereo sound system yes yes I was remembering actually the first day I saw colored television and it was a undersea scene with all the different colored marine fish you know (laughs) and I remember being absolutely totally gobsmacked is the world really that colorful yes it is very much on a par with that yes yeah I wanted to ask you too about your your choices for medical care what's offered to you and 
why you chose the things you did because so often people's lives are so dictated by the route that needs to be taken shall we say once you're in the system you're in the system and you're taken down the route of whether you want chemo or not and if you do then there's hospital visits all that kind of stuff and I remember you saying early on that the doctors would say things to you and they'd actually check that you'd heard because you weren't reacting in the way that a lot of people (laughs) react and I'm curious about how that's been from a medical point of view and the, the choices that you've made then for your medical care as you as you go on through the months. Well, for myself, I chose not to take chemo, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, having such a short prognosis, there was no guarantees of it giving me much longer. And I wanted to enjoy the time that I have rather yeah. than be fighting with that. And I did discover and I did observe that sometimes some of the ways it is... Um, expressed as well you could have chemo you know at least you would know you had done everything you could there's this Mm. element of doing everything you can um uh to to kind of avoid this and for some people at certain times yes that that is the right choice but I went by what I felt in my gut and my Mm. gut no in fact my whole body was kind of telling me you know when you're about to eat something and you know it's bad and you just know it's bad and Mm. and if listen to it you eat it and then you suffer and you think I knew it was bad if you're stupid you follow (laughs) through and you eat it (laughs) yeah yeah well it was kind of like that but I've Mm. kind of learned to trust my gut so um I didn't want the chemo and um yeah there were occasions when like when they first told me that I had two to three three months to live I kind of knew that I hadn't heard it but I kind of knew I was expecting you know a bit longer than that but there was an element, as I said, I'd had the signs and yeah, they, they, they were a bit shocked and they were a bit shocked when I didn't take the chemo, etc. They're even more shocked now that I'm still walking about and doing. But I yeah. think it's because I'm having such a positive experience every day. I make sure I do something that really makes my soul sing every mm. day. And that's feeding positive energy. Positive energy is far more healing than anything else Mm. um so now my sleep is much better and sleep is more healing Mm. and so if if I am and then I got to a point actually where I thought oh my goodness it'd be embarrassing if I lived (laughs) you know (laughs) say farewell and everything else you know yeah she lied to us she lied (laughs) yeah yeah and then I thought do you know what I said to universe you know speaking to my person is, is the universe I said that's okay. If you decide that I can stay here, if you decide that I'm going to have this miracle cure or whatever, let it be. I'll mm. live with it and I'll get. I'll deal with the embarrassment. I'll deal with it. But let's let's do that. You know, knowing your life, you probably will. It's like, <laughs> it's just. But I was having a chat with somebody the other day who said that they just imagined us having a conversation in twenty years' time, saying, "Well, are you going to go or aren't you?" Yeah, I'm waiting. Yeah. I'm waiting. I'm checking my watch. <laughs> I'd be quite happy to have that conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm more so happy to go if that's... that's yeah, yeah, just take it as it comes, yeah. Yeah. But it is yeah. interesting because um, my wife Angie and I, we've both, we only said the other day how you seem like really, really in your body, really grounded but really lively and there's a there's an energy, there's a buzz about you that I'd never seen before the diagnosis. Like it's a there's something there there's a vibrancy and it's it's wonderful to see and it, and as you say with the, the positivity and the way you're you're living it's um it's really interesting just to see what that that impact 
is and what it will be because none of us know how this is going to pan out really nice for us to to observe you and to, to see it in that way but I know that's because of the way you've you're embracing this and I wanted to ask you this is kind of a fairly bog standard question for people who've got cancer because people often talk about bucket lists and is that something that interested you I I know you've been doing a few activities but <laughs> have you got a bucket list well I didn't have a bucket list I had a few things in life that I had wanted to do mm. but I had never sort of labeled it a bucket list um, but when I had this diagnosis it was amazing just how many things leapt out of that bucket that mm. were important that's another thing things get filtered through really quickly you know what is really at the core of what you really want in life mm. and yeah, I discovered that I did have a few things in my bucket list and uh, my bucket list is getting lower and lower and lower now. And I'm kind of thinking, what else would I like to do then? What else can I put in this? Um, because they become my milestones, you know, which is uh, it's good to have something that you look forward to. But it's good also for it not to be too far ahead. And I mm. think that's part of the mindfulness as well and living day to day rather than, you know, planning for next year and the year after that and the year after that. Yeah, if I found myself surviving this uh, by some miracle, then I would definitely endeavour to stay living within that smaller space of time. Mm. You know, the bucket list, you have this idea that you would like to do this and it isn't until you start to anchor it down and make a date which brings it really close. And that's okay. It's okay for it to be loose there in, in the peripherals like. Um, but when everything gets mapped out, you know, for your next two or three years, then that's a bit silly. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about like surviving and, and 20 years time kind of thing. It makes me think of a, it's like a bit like a Monty Python film where you, you have this bucket list that's meant to be the, the shortness of life, but you're having to keep adding to it because you haven't died yet. It's like. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I've got, it was on the original bucket list, which is the hot air balloon. Yeah. And now for other things to put in in the bucket list yeah definitely <laughs> there's something yeah. that really appeals to me about that the the just the humor of that I really love I think that's quite everything has a duality as I mentioned before so there's the bucket list which are the things to look forward to that mm. you're going to be doing and there's the fuck it bucket so pardon <laughs> the, but no the you're allowed to swear on this podcast no problems at all because, um so many things you you'll have people who are sort of talking about things and they're getting really het up and you're thinking, really? Mm. Honestly? So instead of, you know, taking it on board, it goes in the fuck it bucket. Um, and if, um, if you've got something that comes up, like I had a, an issue with the tax office recently saying I owed them money, which I didn't. It turned out they owed me several hundred. <laughs> but, you know, when it, I was thinking, right, I'm not going to worry about this. It goes in the fuck it bucket, you know? <laughs> Have you put holes in the fuck it bucket at the bottom so it leaches out, or is it getting bigger and bigger and bigger? And you need to no, it gets lit. You need to it, gets, bucket. it gets lit and burnt every now and again. I think. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, it was getting quite big, but it's a handy thing to have. Is the fuck it bucket? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. quite a nice visual, actually, isn't it? Just put it in yeah. that, and yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's amazing how it shifts your energy back into that positive space because these are the things that can really aggravate. Yeah. yeah. And down and when you are trying to maintain a minimum sort of high vibration so mm. that you have better healing and better experience as I have been experiencing and I put it all down to that positive thinking and mm. holding positive vibration and maintaining it I think without that I would definitely be having a very different experience right now mm. yeah and, and also when you do that you're taking ownership of it and choosing how it gets dealt with not 
having it consume you. Mm. It's like words that people use that like people reclaim the word and actually then empowers them and puts them in control of it rather than it being something done to you. So it, mm. it's something that you can transmute into a positive thing or just get rid of it. Like you say in the, the bucket bucket. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Talking of um, buckets and I'm going to now say talking of boxes, you've been planning your own funeral and buying <laughs> coffins and doing all that. And that, I mean, that's quite the reality check, isn't it? I mean, what was your reason for, I mean, what has it given you emotionally that by doing it that you wouldn't have had if you'd left it to your family? Talk me through your reasons for what you're doing and why you're doing it. Well, I remember um, sorting out one of my parents' funerals and Mm. they had left everything to us, which became, instead of it being the easiest thing, it became the hardest thing on earth. And even down to selecting, you know, what him for them was mm. you choose one and then, you know, a few hours later or a few days later, like, oh, is that the best one to choose? Mm. And you're second questioning yourself all the time. Mm. So it's not an easy thing for and then when you've got siblings and you're all got these different thoughts, and of mm. course I've four children, so they would all have different ideas. They all view me quite differently. They all um, connect with me in a different way. So what they would be looking to put together would be four completely different things. And none of them might quite what I might like. Yeah. I know they might be. They'd all have a, a, an element of what I would like, but they mm. wouldn't necessarily contain the whole. Mm. So part of having this opportunity is the opportunity to prepare and arrange your own service and and mm. often and and things like that and really think about what you would really like because mm. normally it's just done by other people and mm. it isn't necessarily what you would like mm. and I did find myself getting um hooked up with things and thinking about them too much and thought why am I getting fixated on this mm. so I'd step back I don't need to be fixated on this you know and it's it's that old habit of fixating on the preparation and the planning I almost transferred all my future life planning onto my funeral planning but then mm. really was doing and so in the process of going through the, the planning and making arrangements and that I was able to also detach from that old habit of behavior of all that future thinking and planning and those wasted thoughts that one has and and able mm. to step back my own mind and my own thinking process mm. interesting yeah. that you picked that up that you observed yourself doing that mm. 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 Yeah, so then it becomes something that I, I'm actually looking forward to. It. Okay, I'm not going to be there in the physical, but I'll definitely be there in spirit. Mm. I think it's also a gift of love to your children because it means that they know that what's happening is what you wanted. And mm. they're going to be stressed enough as it is dealing with that the, that day and those weeks and months afterwards that it, it removes a lot of that from them. And I, I think it probably makes it easier for people. Totally, um, I would recommend, you know, that nowadays people do sort of organize some of their their funerals Mm. long before they're ever you know thinking of passing away and I think that's a great thing to do because it Mm. does make a difficult time less difficult Mm. um, for your your friends and family because Mm. it's already been decided and they don't have to no they can also ask you questions now while you're alive and talk about things so there's it's and I think this is one of the benefits of I mean everybody's different and everybody wants uh, has a different opinion but this idea of knowing you're going to die versus sudden death and the the differences in that and I think one of the benefits of knowing you're going to die is giving yourself but also all the people around you the the preparation time to start to to get 
used to that this is what's going to happen. Um, mm. And we'll be, we'll be saying this still in 20 years as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I think people can prepare to a certain degree, but there's a certain element of it that you, the threshold that you can't cross over until it's actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's true for everyone. So, um, and, and some people view having this time as being torture. That's what somebody said. Oh, I think it'd be absolute torture. Well, it's only torture if you go down the fearful road. Mm. yeah it's an interesting comment actually it says a lot about that person doesn't it it's interesting mm. yeah um we're at the point of wrapping up this conversation is there any advice you'd like to give to others that you haven't already said or any anything that we haven't discussed that that you've thought of that you'd like to share with people i'd say um those that have you know friends or family who find themselves in this position with a diagnosis of especially a short one hmm. of life, then, you know, do embrace it as best you can. Yes, you, you're entitled to get upset. You're entitled to get emotional. And actually that helps the person as well because they need to be able to cry and it's better to cry with people than cry alone. Hmm. And um, for those that are going through it, there's always a positive way of looking at things and try and find it. Try and find your, your happy place. Try and do the things and focus on the things that really make you more rather than what you ought to do and what you should do mm. what we really like to do mm. and follow your heart in that way mm. yeah that's a wonderful way to finish I love that that's wonderful well thank you so much for your time and for sharing what is a very personal story but also one that is replicated millions of times over but in different forms and different ways and I I wanted to as I said at the beginning I wanted to bring you in and share your approach because I think it can really help people look at this a bit differently and take this route as best that they're able to and and in a way that benefits them to the best as well as their their loved ones and the people around them so thank you hugely thank you for having me yeah my pleasure thank you <laughs> bye 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 <laughs>